You know, you probably say, well, how in the world can you stand up there and do this? And your brother just left, uh, what was it, about six hours ago? <laughs> to go to glory, to be with Jesus, right? Well, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how it's Jesus. It's all Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, listen, chapter 4. Listen to what Apostle Paul wrote. Get this in your spirit. He said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep or dead, right? So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And so I have an assurance this morning because, one, I know that Jesus saved my brother's soul. I can stand confidently up here and I can tell you that with full assurance that he knew Jesus Christ and more important, Jesus knew him, right? And so with that, I want to thank each and every one of you, my church family and those that are online and all our family members that may be tuning in. I just pray and thank everyone for the prayers, Lord. And just uh, you guys have prayed. Uh, one thing I can say about Tim, he's been with us. Everybody knew that he had a bout with dementia, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, and here. And, and, uh, and I remember when he first came, he would tell people, and says, you know, I got this little memory problem. You know, I got this little memory problem. But there were some things he wouldn't forget, right? He'd go up to somebody like Bill Edmondson, who went to be with the Lord. And, and he'd walk up to his shirt, he'd grab his shirt, and he says, he said, is that felt? And he'd say, and, he, and Bill says, they know. He said, well, it is now. <laughs> right? That's just the way he was. And so I praise the Lord for the, uh, the life of my brother. And he was a, he was a joy. He was. He was a joy. Amen. So I thank you guys for loving on him all these years. I tell you, you guys were such a jewel. If anybody had friends, he had them right here. And uh, in spite of what he was going through, you guys loved him so much. And I can't ever thank you enough for that. And so with that, we're in the book of Revelation this morning. So I want you to hear the word this morning. It's so important for us to do that. Last week in our Discovering Revelation, we looked at Satan, our adversary, amen, whom I have described, uh, whom I have described as Ephesians does. As the prince of the power of the air. We must understand that he rules the world system. You understand that this morning? Satan does. He rules us. He's been thrusted to the earth. The prince of the power of the air to rule the world system. Not ultimately. But temporarily. Amen? And, and it's so important. He said he rules. Listen to this. He rules every lost person. Whether they know it or not. He rules them, right? Satan is the current king over every nation on the planet. I want you to think about that for a minute. I talked about that last week. Really, there is only one nation in the world. And you can place every single nation in this category. And Satan rules over it. He does. He is the pastor to the secular world at large. He is the pastor to the secular world, the satanic pastor 
to the secular world at large. The majority of the world is following this prince of the power of the air, Satan. How do I know this? Matthew 7 tells us very explicitly. So, so with the wide road and with the wide gate and the narrow road and the narrow gate, he tells us. In Matthew 7, listen, verse 13, it says, The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to what? Destruction. And there are many who enter through it. So there's a wide road and a wide gate. That's telling us that there's so many people that are lost and dying and going to hell. Eternally to be separated from the holy God who created and made them for a plan and a purpose. To have intimate relationship with him. Yet they deny his existence. They deny his salvation. They deny the only hope in the world for all of mankind. But see, he didn't finish this with verse 13. He said, verse 14, he said, he said, for the gate is small. Right? I think about my brother Tim. He took this gate right here. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. He says, and there are few. Hear me, there are few who find it. Listen, don't be deluded. Don't be deceived by the evil one. The evil one is out here to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he's here. He's the prince of the power of the air. And the culture, we see the culture wars, the things going on in the culture. We know that he is controlling the mindset of all people who are far from Jesus and far from God. And it's important for us to hear this this morning. Let God speak to every heart in this room this morning. Listen, folks, we, the church, at one time were ruled by Satan. Think about this this morning. You and I, all of us in this room this morning, were either are or were ruled by Satan. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Amen, church? In which you formally, amen, I say amen to that, formally walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formally lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging what? The desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. He kind of lays it out there, don't he? He tells us exactly who we were, right? Look, you and I were just like who? Just like Satan. Lost in the world, without hope in this world. You and I were Satan's own disciples. Everybody thinks Jesus has disciples only. But Satan has his disciples too. Mm. Sometimes we miss that. If I were to have looked at a picture of you prior to being saved, you would have looked just like the devil himself. That angel of light. Right? Putting that mask on. What I want us to do this morning is we are depraved. We were dishonest. With God and with others. That's what we were prior to salvation. We were all liars. Liars. Pants on fire. Remember you said that? Liar, liar. Pants on fire, right? It's so true. We were. We were thieves. Deceptive. Looking out for our own best interest. 
We were living in self-gratification, pleasing our flesh in every area of our life. There was not one good person among us. Not one. Our hearts were deceitfully and desperately what? Wicked. Wicked. So my question is now, who does that sound like? Sound like Satan? No. You know who it sounds like? It sounds like Phil Horn. It sounds like I can name everybody in here, right? Just about. We were just like that. But now listen to what God's word does say. Amen? In Ephesians 2 verse 4, listen to what it says. It says, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God, God, right? But God, right? Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved all of us, right? Even when we were dead in our transgressions, in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. And he says, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him. Where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory. Right? Because, it's there, give him a clap this morning, amen. That's who we are in Jesus, right? It's because of his rich mercy, because of his great love, he makes us all alive together with Christ Jesus. God raised Jesus and raised us as well to be like him. Man, not only did he raise us up, he has seated us all. The Bible says, right here, I just read it, in heavenly places, Jesus is at the Father's right hand, sitting on the throne. And I just, me, I picture, I picture a lot of things in my mind, right? I picture all these chairs on the side where we're seated with Jesus, right there, right next to him. If you're saved, you're seated with Jesus. He has your name. He has, he knows who you are. His blood has covered your life. What a blessing that is for us to understand and to know. And why did he do that? So that in the ages to come, that he might show the surpassing riches, listen, of his grace. Grace, unmerited favor. In other words, what that means is none of us deserve it, but he gives it as a free gift. He looks at you and he says, man, he says, man, he says, I love you so much, I want to give you salvation. But you got to receive the gift, right? If I give you a gift, what do you do? You take it. And you just hold it? What do you do? You just hold it? No. You open it up. If it's a nice jacket, what do you do? You put that sucker on. That's what you do. You put that thing on. You're having it. say, man, thank you so much. Right? You're grateful. Right? Jesus did that for us. Yes. He lavishes his love. He made a way out of no way. And it's called the cross. Of the cross. How does that happen? This is how it happens. Look further. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may be able to boast. You can't boast in it because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that cross. It has everything to do with him taking all of your sin and my sin on that cross. We sit here today because of the penalty 
that he took, he paid the fine that you and I could never pay. And he paid it just for you and for me. And he gives it as a free gift. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen? It is. A free gift. So church, we must all, and I mean all remember who we are. Or whose we are. Amen? We need to remember that. We are his ambassadors of a kingdom that is not of this world. This is our inheritance. This is what we represent here and now and later. We don't belong here anymore. Amen. Jesus saved us. Amen. For a city, for a place in his presence. That's where Tim is this morning. That's where Tim left. And his journey was instantaneous. In fact, I believe with all my heart, according to John 14, that Jesus came and personally got Tim and brought him into his presence. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. I can't think of any better way to go, right? Hand in hand with the Savior. How awesome is that? Now listen, I want us to look at the enemy of this world where we all live in, right? I want us to look at this person, which we will in the world today, and I would like to call him the man. So he's the man. So everybody say, the man. The man, man. The man right? He thinks he's the man. But he's the man. I'm calling him the man this morning. He is the Antichrist. That's what, who our topic is this morning. We're going to look at the man, the Antichrist, the ultimate man who will real soon, listen, come on the scene. Why? So that you will recognize him when he comes. Amen. Hopefully you're not here when he comes and exposes himself. If you're with the church, you'll be in heaven. Amen. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you may be here. In fact, you will be here. Listen, he will be charismatic in nature. He'll be very dynamic. He'll be quite charming. And he will be so full of himself. There'll be no mistaking who he is. Chapter 13 gives this man a designation number. What is it, church? 666. 666. That's it. 666. The number man. For it was on the sixth day that God made who? Man. In his own image, he made male and female. Amen. That's what he did. And God blessed him to be fruitful and multiply. Also, listen to this. Bond slaves were set free after six years of slavery. After six years of slavery, they were set free. Listen to what John had to say in 1 John 2 about the man. This is what he said. 1 John 2, 17, it says, The world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives how long? Forever. Forever life, right? Amen. Children, it is the last hour. Hear me. It is the last hour. We're in the final, fourth quarter, fifth quarter, whatever you want to call it. We're in the last hour. And just as you heard, that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. So I want you, I want to list six characteristics of the coming one world ruler called the Antichrist. He's also called the man of sin. He is the lawless one. He is the beast. He is the little horn. He is the prince that shall come. The Old and New Testament, 
listen, predict this Antichrist is coming. There were Antichrist types all through the ages of our history. In AD 37, Caligula was labeled as an Antichrist. You know that? He was. Also, Caesar Nero was also labeled as an Antichrist. I think about all the horrible things that he did by putting humans on stakes and setting them afire. Let's go forward. Adolf Hitler was labeled as an Antichrist. You know that? Even our own presidents were labeled, and some of them, as Antichrist. I'll give an example. Ronald Reagan. And this is interesting. You know what his full name is? Ronald Wilson Reagan. How many letters are in Ronald? How many letters in Wilson? And how many letters are in Reagan? But he's not the Antichrist. He hasn't come yet. He may be here, though. He may be among us. But he won't be revealed until the tribulation period takes place. So six characteristics of the coming one world ruler. The first one, I want you to write it down. Here's the first characteristic of the Antichrist. He's wicked. Write down wicked. He's wicked. Look at Revelation 13. This is where we pick up where we left off last week. We're in chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 1. And he says this, And the dragon stood on the sand, John writes, of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems. And on his head were blasphemous names. He's called the beast, or the wicked man, the most insidious man that's in the world today. The beast, beast in the Greek means Therion. Anybody ever heard the word Therion? A Therion is a dangerous animal. It's venomous, wild. It's a beast or a monster. It's ain't your average puppy dog. This is a beast. This is a monster. This is horrendous. This is vicious. This is vile. That's what the beast is. He's a monster. And John gets this vision of a beast rising up out of what? Out of the sea. See that? Rising up out of the sea. This is a person rising up out of the sea of the nations of the world. Of the nations of the world. We know this because of the personal pronouns that are placed in the verses. Him, his, right? It's there. He, a beast-like person. A vicious man of sin. The Apostle Paul called him the son of perdition. The lawless one. The wicked person. He doesn't begin that way, though, when he exposes himself. He was smooth and debonair, slick, right? He was slick. Revelation 6, he was the peacemaker. You remember Revelation chapter 6? He was this peacemaker. He was the rider on the white horse. A counterfeit to Jesus. He was a counterfeit. And you'll see a lot of counterfeiting going on here as we go through the scripture this morning. There's a lot. The first three and a half years of the tribulation, we talked about there's peace. And then the second half is wicked. And he ends wickedly. And he ends, listen, and it's all about world dominance. So your second one is not only is he wicked, but, he's, but his characteristic is world dominion. He wants to conquer the world. And more than that. Verse 2, look at verse 2, Revelation 13. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, 
and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. So he appears as a leopard, a bear, a lion, and a dragon. So here the vision appears to John just like what appeared in the book of Daniel, written 600 years before John. It's the same description here, written 600 years prior to John. Daniel had a vision in chapter 7 of Daniel. The succession of world kingdoms are represented here from his time looking forward. And I was thinking, well, how could he know, right? God had to show him. God had to show him. The lion, you look at the lion with wings of an eagle, representing the empire of Babylon. He would have known that because he was there. Very feared in nature. Very feared in nature. Next is the bear, the lumbering bear, with three ribs in its mouth, representing the Medo-Persian Empire, which came next, that conquered the world. World empire. These are world empires. Next was the leopard. Had four wings moving. That was the Grecian, the Greek empire, the Grecian empire. Alexander the Great. Empire, the world. And then the fourth is the beast with ten horns. He talks about the beast with ten horns. Which is unified. It's a vicious and ferocious for one overall kingdom that is yet to come. Revelation 13, 7, it says, It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and authority over Every tribe, every people, every tongue, and every nation was given to him. You see it? One world empire. There hasn't been any empires since the Roman Empire. There hasn't been. So the next one that's on order is the one we're talking about here. There hasn't been a one world government. Authority will be given him over every nation of the world. This rising up out of the sea, as John describes, represents, listen, the peoples of nations of the world. That's the sea. Isaiah 17, written in the past, 600 years in the past, verse 12 says, Alas, the uproar of many peoples who roar like the roaring of the seas, and the rumbling of nations who rush on like the rumbling of mighty waters. Does it get much plainer than that? In Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, or many nations, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. It's a sea of humanity, of all these Gentile nations combined together. John's vision, though, is of the Mediterranean in nature because that's where he lived. Remember? He's writing this on the Isle of Patmos. He knows about the Mediterranean Sea area. Seven heads and ten horns. Daniel sees that same thing. He sees the same thing. Daniel 7.23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different 
from all those other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, here it is, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise and another will arise after them and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. This beast, this antichrist, ten horns and the one little horn coming from amongst them is the man, the antichrist. He comes out of these ten nations. The little horn is the antichrist. Folks, this is globalism. How many have heard the word globalism? Is it not a popular word today? Very much so. Where are we headed, folks? We don't want it that way, right? But do we not see it headed that way? It is very much so headed that way. Globalism. It's already being propagated throughout our world today. Why do you think certain national leaders make huge business deals with other national leaders on the side? It's all about making a one world economy for a one world order. It's Bible. Leaders scratch each other's backs with their sights focused on a one world leader to lead every nation on the globe in a one world government with a one world economy to govern all things from top to bottom, from one leader to everyone else. One world leader. It's coming, folks. And you can mark it down. Why? Because God's infallible word, listen, says it right here. Amen? Keep watching the news. Keep watching the news. Listen, even the Vatican, the Catholic Church, even the Vatican is also pushing this globalization agenda as well. I want you to watch this. If it comes up. I believe a few moments ago I spoke of the tendency towards globalization. Globalization in and of itself is not bad. On the contrary, the globalizing tendency is good. It brings us together. But what may be bad is the way this happens. If globalization would seek to make everyone the same as if it were a single sphere, that globalization destroys the richness and the particularity, the individual individuality of every person and every people. If globalization seeks to bring all of us together, but to do so respecting each person, each individual person's richness and peculiarity, respecting all peoples and their own distinctive, that globalization is good and makes us all grow and leads to peace. Will there be peace on the earth before Jesus comes? No. No. He says in his word. What we're seeing right before is the word being fulfilled. And we see the mindset. 
Satan, listen, is the world's, the secular world's pastor. I say pastor because that's what he's doing. He's manipulating, he's deceiving, and he is trying to destroy everything that God tries to set up. Because he hates God. He hates God with a passion. World dominance is that second characteristic, amen? Wicked, world dominance. We're seeing it being played today. Number three, wonder. Wonder, write down wonder. Number three is wonder. Wicked, world dominance, now wonder. Look at verse three. He says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, the Antichrist. The whole world was following after him. Isn't this interesting? This is like a movie, right? Think about this. Y'all remember the $6 million man? I know I'm dating myself because these young folks right here. You ever heard of the $6 million man? No. See? But see, I, I, kinda, I did. I, I love watching Lee Majors, the bionic man, Right? He got in a terrible accident. They put all these bionic mechanical arms and legs and all this stuff on him. Lakin, you remember, don't you? You don't remember for real? Oh, my goodness. Man, I wanted to be like Lee Majors. I wanted to be able to run 60 miles an hour. Because he would. That's what it showed on the TV anyway. But let me tell you something. The Antichrist is a $666 million man. He is. I'm going to tell you why. I want you to listen. The dragon or Satan is who gives the Antichrist his power. He gives him his power. Listen, just as we are disciples of Christ, don't think that Satan doesn't have his own disciples. Listen, some scholars think that the, that the head mortality... Uh, his head mortally wounded uh, would be a re revived world empire. Now I want you to think about this. History tells us of the various world empires that existed through time. I mentioned them earlier. Well, you had the Egyptian Empire, Syrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, right? The Medo-Persian Empire. Then you had the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. The seventh revived Roman Empire will be with the Antichrist leading as the leader. There's another world empire that's coming, and it's the Antichrist. Other scholars see the head wound correlated with a resurrection. Could be. And, but here's the thing about a resurrection of the Antichrist. It has to be stayed, a staged resurrection because Satan cannot raise anybody from the dead. You hear me? That's right. Only God can do that. So this is a stage, could be a stage resurrection, as the devil does not have that kind of power. Satan's pit for Antichrist dies, and the funeral raises him from the dead. Everyone globally sees it, because you can see it in real time globally, right? Just like the two witnesses, right? And what happens? When people see somebody rise from the dead, what's going to happen? Globally, when they see it with their own eyes, they're going to think, oh, wow, wonder." Marvel, amazement, right? People are mesmerized by it, in shock, it's like reality TV stuff, right? Listen to what Jesus said about this. In John 5, verse 43, John 5, 43, 
He says, I have come in my Father's name. Jesus, when he came, he came in his Father's name. And he says, and you do not receive me. But if another comes in his own name, he says, you will receive him. Listen, wonder is the next step to worship. The next characteristic is worship. Number four, worship. Wonder to worship. Because if you wonder something, if you marvel at something, if you're mesmerized by something, you're going to turn into worshiping it, right? That's what happens. Worship. It goes from adulation to adoration. That's what it goes to. Look at verse 4. It says, they worship the dragon because he gave his authority to what? To the beast. Satan gives his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? Do you remember Satan in at the beginning was an angel cherub? He was one that covers. He was the Lucifer. He was God's right hand angel. When he was in heaven before the fall, he was in charge of everything. He was God's right hand angel. He was, he was an archangel like no other archangels. He was up there as God's right hand angel. Taking care of music. Taking care of everything in heaven. That's what he was up there for. He was up there. They worshiped the beast saying, who is this beast and who is able to wage war with him? He was a number one angel minus one. In other words, there was one that was greater than he. Which was who? Almighty God. Right? Almighty God. Lucifer was bothered by God because Lucifer wanted it all. He wanted everything. He wanted totals. He wanted the whole kit and caboodle. He wanted to be not just like God, but he wanted to be God. Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15. Listen to this. Isaiah 14 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. He says, I will. Notice the I, 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 right? It's all about him. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. It's important. That most high, you underscore that. Nevertheless, verse 15, I love this. You will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. This describes the fall of Lucifer or Satan. Listen, he wanted to be like the Most High. The word Most High is Elion, E-L-Y-O-N. Listen, it means from elevation, lofty, the supreme, the Most High, or the uppermost, the Almighty God. Nobody was above him or beside him. That's what he wants to be. Like God. And he was cast from there by God. And listen, he, even though he was cast down to the earth, do you think he would stop and learn from that? No. He did not do that. It proves it in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. He said, let no one in any way deceive you, for it was not come unless the apostasy comes first. Or apostasy means a falling away from, from love. 
of God, right? And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the Antichrist, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God in Jerusalem, displaying himself as being God. That has yet is going to happen. Antichrist means against God, right? But it can also mean this. This is another side meaning. Antichrist also means instead of Christ. Instead of Christ. It says, I'm much better than him. He wants to be the Christ instead of Christ. He wants to be, he's a counterfeit. You see the counterfeit? Like the Trinity, but they have their own. Satan has his own. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. You may think this is a far-fetched, but it's not. It's literal. This is literal. Just look at the history. Listen, Adolf Hitler was trusted by England's own Neville Chamberlain. It's amazing. He was buying into it, hook, line, and sinker, thinking he's going to uh, avert a World War II. He met with Adolf Hitler like three different times. They had a, they had a double handshake. He thought that, was, that meant something. It's amazing. He was the Prime Minister of England, 1939-1940. A Bible commentator named John Phillips, he notes this about the Antichrist. He says this. He said, the world will go delirious with delight at his manifestation. He will be the seeming answer to all his needs. He will be filled, listen, with all the fullness of Satan, handsome, with a charming, rakish, devil-may-care personality, a genius, superbly at home, in all the scientific disciplines, brave as a lion, and with an air of mystery about him to tease the imagination or to chill the blood as occasions may serve. A brilliant conversationalist in a score of tongues, a soul-captivating orator, he will be the idol of all mankind. That's going to be the Antichrist. Which the next characteristic we go to, number five, is words. Write down words. Words. Look at verse five. There was given to him a mouth, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. That's three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That is those who dwell in heaven. Remember we talked about the temple, the third temple is going to be built in Jerusalem. And it's going to be dedicated after the three and a half years of peace. And you know who's going to dedicate it? The Antichrist is going to go in there and dedicate this third temple. And when he goes in there, that's when the abomination of desolation takes place. And he's going to sit himself as if he was God. And then, bud, boys, it's, it's on after that for the next three and a half years. It's on after that. He will have the ability to sway people with words. He's a master politician. He can woo you with his words. Daniel 7, four times he's described with mouth-speaking, pompous words. Most dictators come to power because of persuasive speech. Amen? History teaches us this. Adolf Hitler, prior to World War II, he would speak. You ever watch some black and white films of Adolf Hitler? He starts off speaking so quietly and everything, making sense, right? Making sense, being very quiet and calm. 
By the end of this, these clips, you start hearing him shout, hoo, hoo. He's shouting, right? He's yelling. And what happens at the end? Man, it's euphoric. Everyone begins yelling, how Hitler. We as Americans can never understand the euphoric impact Hitler had on Germany. Most were taken in by Hitler's words. This ruler will be no different. He will have every answer, plus he will have signs and wonders. In other words, he's going to do supernatural things. Power, supernatural power. People will be convinced. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to be purging the world of all the Christians that are left. He will be conceited, loving selfies. Look at me. Look at what I have done. We see people in power that does that today. It's all about me, myself, and I. First three and a half years is peace. All of the world's answers. The second half, he turns all hell on fire in the world with persecution like never seen before on the face of the globe. The final characteristic we have is this, number six, it's war. It's war. The one world order, the leader, middle of the seven-year period, look at verse seven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, he says, let him hear. Verse 10, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. See, once he succeeds, it's going to be a holocaust like never seen before. Far worse than what happened with Adolf Hitler. Far worse. Like never seen before. It will break out worldwide, globally. The abomination of desolation, where it all begins. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In Daniel 7, verse 25, it says, He will speak out against the Most High, and He will wear down the saints, it says, of the highest one. And He will intend to make alterations in times and in the law. And they will be given into His hand for a time, times and a half a times. Three and a half years. To persecute, to wear things down or out. Man, we're experiencing that right now. The laws that we're making in in, in our capital, listen, the laws we're making, we're seeing that now. We're being forced to do certain things and not do certain things. We see it. It's there. And listen, he does that to harass the saints with all the laws, the physical, legal injustices. That's the way he's going to do it. Everyone will take a mark. Remember the mark of the beast? And failure to comply, you will be killed. If you don't comply and take the mark, you're going to be killed. The first three and a half years is peace and calm. International coalition, working the ten powers. They will struggle, but they will be working together. In the middle of it is the abomination of desolation, where he desecrates the new third temple that is rebuilt in Jerusalem, right? The peace treaty between Israel and all their enemies, guess what? It's broken. It's broken by the Antichrist. All hell will break loose globally on this planet. In fact, he kills two-thirds of all the Jews. Zechariah 13 says that. And listen, he conquers Jerusalem too. Zechariah 14 says that. 
And he diseased the rest of the world with rampage to kill believers. Everywhere he can find them, he's going to kill believers who trust in Christ the Savior. Revelation 13, what we're talking about says that. Listen, Jesus predicted all of this in the New Testament. In Matthew 24, 9, he says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name, Jesus. And it's coming for our country, too. There's going to be a time pastors are going to be thrown in jail because we preach the word. We preach against certain things. We preach against certain things. We have to preach the word. Sin is wrong. I don't care if it's lying. I don't care if it's thieving. I don't care whatever it is. When you miss the mark, you miss the mark. I don't care if it's homosexuality, transgenderism. It doesn't matter. God calls it all sin. And lovingly, if you're caught in that, listen, you need to repent. You need to give it to Jesus and get on track with the Lord. But listen, just for me, just saying that, I could be arrested. But it's the Word of God. And I have to preach the Word of God. God loves us all. He loves us so much that He doesn't want to leave us in our sin where we're at. It doesn't matter. A sin is a sin. It doesn't matter what it is. When God says it's a sin, it's a sin. He does, it's not good for you. God wants you to be better than that. God wants you to be like Him. Sin. Rebellion. That's rebellion against the Holy God who created us and gives us everything that we need to be, how we should be living our life. And when we realize the sacrifice that Jesus paid to save us from our sin... We should be willing and wanting to serve the Lord and to live according to the way he designed for us to live to fulfill his plan and his purpose for our individual collective, individual lives and our collective lives as a church, the body of Christ. So we're going to do a trunk or treat. Trunk or treat? I want to have a neighborhood full of ghosts and ghoulies and all that kind of stuff all around. People think that's not real. It's just fun for the kids. No, man, demonic forces are real. We're talking about that. Satan fell from heaven, right? Satan is real. He's not the pitchfork dragon with a tail and a pitchfork. He's not that. He could be, but he's not that. He's more deceptive. He comes looketh good. He looketh good to people. He hides as an angel of light. He looks good. He looks appealing to the women. He looks appealing to the men. I'm going to be just like him. I'm telling you, he's going to come and he's going to fool you. And he's going to have supernatural ability and powers to do all these things. He's trained the Antichrist very well to do all this thing. And listen, and to pull the wool over your eyes to where you're not going to heed the truth. You're not even going to believe it. You're going to believe him over the truth of what God says. Even though God's truth is telling us in this day and age that we live, in 2022, listen, God is showing us right now what's going to take place in the future. And listen... We can't sit back on our couches watching our news networks and not see it's being played out right before our very eyes. Right? When we see, listen, the two witnesses who were, who, who were killed by the beast, they laid there for three and a half days. Three and a half years. Three and a half days they laid there on the ground. Nobody buried them. Nobody moved them. All the people were sitting around laughing at them. And listen, and they were having a celebration. And it was almost like it was Christmas time. And they were giving gifts to one another. And they were videoing real time across the world with a cell phone. Because you could do that today. And you can see live from Jerusalem 
the two witnesses who the beast killed, yeah, and the world's going to be celebrating that because they don't like what the two witnesses stood for. They were presenting the gospel and seeing people saved. And the world hated it because they hated God. And then right before their eyes, they're all going to be standing there with their cell phones out, and they're going to be looking with their eyeballs on these two witnesses who are dead, and they'll be going, ho, 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 ho. You know what's going to happen? They're going to rise from the dead. Resurrection is going to take place. And when the resurrection takes place, listen, boys, the reality of that to the lost people, the reality of it to the lost people, man, it's right there. It's going to get them. I praise the Lord. We don't have to go through that. Amen? We're the church triumphant. And we are not going through that. There's going to be a lot of people going through that. Hmm. One world order. The treaties will be broken. The Antichrist, all hell will break loose. He kills two-thirds of all Jews. He conquers Jerusalem. Listen, he deceived the rest of the world. Matthew talked about that in 24. Now, folks, remember, where is the church? We're in heaven. Why? Why are we in heaven? Why are we in heaven? We're with Christ because of what? The rapture, right? We're taking out the beginning of the tribulation period, right? We're taking out. These are people that have been saved during the seven years of tribulation. These people are saved during the seven years of tribulation. How are they saved? Remember what we talked about previously in messages? The two witnesses I just talked about sharing the gospel. They were killed for it by the beast. 144,000 Jewish evangelists that were going around the world spreading the gospel. Plus there was, remember the angel at the very beginning, we talked about the angel was flying all over the world sharing the gospel message. Some will believe and be especially targeted by the man, the man, the beast, the Antichrist. So, here's how I want to end. So, how do we take this message and make it and end it on an encouraging note? <laughs> right? Because it's all like boom, 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 left, right, left, right, left, right. It bothers people sometimes. Listen. By comparing the Antichrist to Jesus, when really there's no comparison between the two. Right. Amen? Ain't no comparison. But if we were looking at comparisons, you could look at the Antichrist as a man of what? Sin. But when we look at Jesus, is the sinless man. Amen. Right? Praise the Lord, right? Listen, the Antichrist was the idle shepherd in Zechariah. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen. Right? He is. Listen, the Antichrist is the beast. Jesus is the lamb. Amen? Who would you want to follow, a lamb or a beast? <laughs> right? Amen. Listen, Antichrist is death to a deceived world. Jesus, his death saved the world. That would believe, all who would believe. The man. He is the most deceptive man in the world. And this is what happens when we live in a world where right is wrong and wrong is right. Keep watching. Keep praying. Right? Watch and be ready. Keep watching. Keep praying. 
Make sure you're ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And do not deviate. Make sure you are sure of your salvation. Make sure, listen, listen, make sure you have a profile of the type of person that you are that you would never compromise because of what Jesus did. I would write it down. Take those of you that did three-minute testimonies, write it down. Put some scripture with it. Back it up with scripture. And listen, make sure, because you're going to, listen, you're going to be at a task where you're going to have to give an account for the hopes within you. And it might cost you something. It might cost you your property. It might cost you your job. It might cost you your very own life. Listen, folks, it's coming. Make no mistake about it. It is coming. Are we going to take a stand? Are we going to withdraw and isolate ourselves in a home thinking, I'll just avoid it? You're not going to avoid it. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't even try to avoid it. It's going to happen. It's a matter of when. The Bible's clear. Amen? Amen. Man, I love going through Revelation, don't you? I'm enjoying this going through because this really, man, giving, gives clarity to me. I hope it gives clarity to you about what is, what is fixing to happen. And I hope and pray that it, it causes you, listen, it causes you inside your gut to make it a point to share the love of Christ with people around you. Throughout the rest of the week, exalt Christ. You know what Jesus said? He said, if I be lifted up, which he was on a cross. What did he say? I will draw all men unto myself. That's what Jesus does. And when you speak up unashamedly about the name of Jesus Christ, you don't draw the people. Jesus draws the people. And when they surrender their heart to his will and his drawing, guess what happens? They get saved. And they realize that Jesus saved their soul. He died to save them. Maybe this morning you're here. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I can't assume everybody in here knows Jesus as Savior. So I ask you right here in this stillness, quietness time. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and to be your Lord. Ask him to come into your heart right now. Say, Jesus, there's never been a time in my past history where I asked you to come in and be my Savior and to be my Lord. So, Lord, this morning, I'm just talking to you the best way I know how. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and to save me today. I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. Lord, I want to trust you with all that I am. I want to turn around from the way I'm living. I want to give all my past, present, future to you, God, and I want to chase you with all of my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I trust you as my God right now. You are God. And I want you to come into my heart. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. All my Christian brothers and sisters, listen, I love you with all my heart. I thank you for all the, all the love, outpouring of love. But I want you to know, listen, we got a lot of work to do. Right? He didn't, live us, he didn't leave us here to settle. Right? He left us here to what? To impact the world for Jesus. Find your place. 
Find your niche. Find what it is that God has for you to do. And do it with all of your fervor as the Holy Spirit leads you. If you would do that, listen, <laughs> people will be glad. And at the end of life, when you go to heaven, he's going to see you and he's going to say what? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy and the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I love you all. I thank you all. We will let you know about uh, uh, service times in the future here. We'll keep you informed of that. Thank you so much. The ushers will be at the door. If you filled out a, a guest list, please leave it in there for me today, and I'll get up with you. God bless you all. Have a great day. And I need candy. Candy for Trunk or Treat. <laughs>